Welcome to Next today. It's great to see you. How's everybody doing? All right. That was a little bit better than I anticipated. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. Podcasters, thank you for listening in as well. Look, we're just grateful that you're giving us the gift of your time and attention today. And I say that uh, with all sincerity. Uh, your time and attention means a lot to me and to us here at Grace Church. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by what you hear today. But we also hope that you are challenged to grow and make maybe a few changes in your life as a result of what you hear as well. He's not in here right now, but I want to give a huge shout out to Derek Odom. Derek has been taking care of our, uh, of our slide production for the last uh, several months, and he's been doing a good job. And so if you see Derek, tell him, hey, man, I, I've noticed what you've been doing in there, and you're doing a good job. Thank you. That means more to you than you think it does, because there's been a few Sundays where we didn't have scriptures and stuff on the screen, and people are lost. So make sure you tell Derek, because he does put some time and effort into that, that he's doing a good job. And also uh, Nathan, Greg, Renita, Christy, media booth people, thank you so much for making that stuff work every Sunday. It's a lot of work, and y'all do a good job. Thank you. Um, just a quick question, just a little bit of fun. What's the dumbest thing that you've ever spent money on? I'm going to give you a second to think about it, and, and I'm going to tell you, while you're thinking about it, I'm going to tell my story. Um, this might not be the dumbest thing that I ever spent money on, but it really it let me, it gave me a, a profound sense of letdown. So whenever I was really young, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, in the backs of the comic books, there would be these little special office, offers that you could send off for, and one of them was the International Spy Equipment Set. And it came with uh, a telescopic pen where you could spy on some. It had some other stuff in it. And uh, I was like, I've got to have this. I lived in the country. I didn't have any other kids to play with. My imagination, sticks and bugs, that's, that's, that's what I had. And so I ordered this thing. I don't know how much it was. It was like, I don't know, $8.95 plus $12 shipping and handling or something like that. But, you know, there's this little writer down at the bottom that says, um, uh, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. Well, I didn't notice that part. And so whenever we sent it in, my mom told me about that. I had no idea how long six or eight weeks actually meant to someone that's like eight or nine years old. And it finally came in. It finally came in. And it was just the biggest pile of garbage you've ever seen in your life and I'd spent all of this time waiting and building it up and building it up and trying to you know just imagine how much fun I was going to have with it like some of it didn't even work right and it was just it was a big letdown and I felt because I'd paid for that with my with my own money and it was just a big letdown I felt really dumb anybody else want to share we'll get a couple anybody else want to share it doesn't have to be a big long story like that what's something dumb that you spent Nathan piece of junk. That's real right there, Nathan. Thank you so much. That's real. And just about everybody in this room has done something similar, if not the exact same thing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Something dumb? It's just like you spent money on it like that. Else? <laughs> Gym memberships. Okay. Let's do one more. Anybody? Nobody said engagement ring or wedding band, so that's good. Ooh, yeah. 
All right. So let's roll. Um, Greg, there's going to be a section in there where um, I have an excerpt from Craig Rochelle's book. And in the interest of time today, we're just going to skip through that. I meant to tell you that earlier, but um, we just, we've got to roll. Um, over the last five weeks, we've been spending some time adjusting our focus. And it's, my intent behind that has been to, pre, to be preemptive. We're trying to ensure that we don't lose sight of what really matters amidst the hurry and the chaos of the holiday season. And to help us do that, we've been spending some time with the book, Weird, Because Normal Isn't Working by Craig Rochelle. And we've talked about our focus on time the first few weeks. Could you turn me down just a, just a little bit? Um, that's not something you hear preachers say very often. Um, but we've, we've talked about our focus on time for the first few weeks. And last week, we started talking about money. Time and money, fitting topics for Christmas and the holiday season, talking about time and money, because I want you to stay focused on what matters. And our theme verse for this mini-series comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, where Jesus said, enter through what gate? The narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? That leads to happiness, fulfillment, joy. No, it says destruction. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many enter through it. There's a lot of people going down that road, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few, only a few weird ones find it. Now, you can choose to be like everyone else and live like everyone else on the broad road if you want to. You can be normal and never have enough time and never have enough money, but if you want to have enough time and money for the things that really matter, then you're going to have to adjust your focus and be more than a little bit weird by our culture's definition, because we all tend to suffer from this culturally induced drift of our priorities, and we need to focus and to just realign our priorities and perspective from time to time. And that's what we've been endeavoring to do over the last few weeks. So last week we talked about what it means to be rich. And we found out, unbeknownst to most of us, that we are all rich. Like, you are. You're, you're really rich. If you make $37,000 a year, then you are in the top 4% of wage earners alive on the planet today. If you make $45,000 a year, a year you are in the top 1%, the top 1% of wage earners alive on the planet. So that means, then, that all of these scriptures in the Bible that talk about rich people, where you typically say, that's right, Jesus, get them. Tell those rich people how they're supposed to live and what they should be doing. They're, they're, aimed, at, they're aimed at us. <laughs> they're aimed at you and, and me. So look, as long as we don't own the responsibility of being blessed with resources from God so that we can give to those around us, then we'll only stay focused on getting more for ourselves. In order to honor God with your wealth, the first thing that you have to do is admit, I'm rich. But most people won't do that. It's not normal. And being rich, we talked about last week, we, we closed with uh, the fact that being rich brings with it three main challenges. And there are more, but these are the three that we talked about. First of all, being rich makes it harder to depend on God. We don't have to ask him for things because we've already got it covered. Number two, being rich 
distracts you from your true priorities. Number three, being rich gives you greater responsibility. I want to stress this again. These are challenges that you face. These are challenges that I face because we are, we're rich. So um, today, I want to get into a little bit more about money. We're going to call it Weird Money, part two, the best that money can't buy. The best that money can't buy. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that everyone in here really loves and is comfortable with and knows a lot about. Today, we're going to talk about debt. Wow. Okay. All right. So let me sweeten the pot a little bit. Before I'm done today, I'm going to tell you the secret to getting free of debt and staying that way. And it's not even going to cost you four easy payments of $49.95. I'm going to give it to you for free, for free. That's what we're going to do by the time we're done today. Thomas Fuller was an English churchman and historian. He died back in 1661. And this is what he said. He said, debt is the worst poverty. Debt is the worst poverty. The first part of this chapter in Grishel's book, uh, he sets up by counseling with a husband and father who was in some serious financial trouble. And whenever you read uh, that passage, it reads like one of those videos that you just can't stop watching, even though you know it's going to end in something gross or something really bad. It's like you just can't tear your eyes away. That's what reading this passage is like, because this, this young man and his wife make one poor financial choice after another, all in the name of necessity. And they're deeply in debt. He's recently unemployed. They're in danger of losing their house. And Grishel ends the story with this line. He says, Jim looked at me and concluded with hollow resolve, well, at least I know that my problems are normal problems. Y'all want to know something that's perfectly normal in how we view money today? Stress. Can I get a witness? Because I kind of feel all alone up here by saying that. Is anybody else, or are y'all too spiritual? I stress about money. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Glad to know that there are a few more people in here that are honest. Stress is normal. Stress is normal. It's normal whenever it comes to money. Stress from not having enough money. Stress from not making enough money. And from owing way too much money. A recent survey done by CareerBuilder.com said... 61% of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck. And the actual title of the article, and this came from CNBC.com, it said more upper income workers live paycheck to paycheck. They, uh, they surveyed 4,400 people, and 30% of those surveyed made 100,000, or 30% of those surveyed who make over $100,000 a year said they live paycheck to paycheck making over $100,000 a year. Monthly payments, normal. Credit card debt, normal. Maxed out on one, more than one card, normal. Using one credit card to pay off another credit card, normal. Paying only the monthly minimums, normal. Folks, it's not just normal. In fact, it's priceless. Because what price can you place on worry, anxiety, stress, and fear? And what kind of price can you place on your healthy, secure, and peace of mind approach to money? So yeah, you're right. Visa and MasterCard, it is, it is priceless. 
All we want is what everyone else has. And if everyone else is going into debt to get it, it must be worth it, right? But folks, we should know by now that normal does not work. Normal doesn't work. And I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, uh, but you need to know something about Craig Rochelle. I'm going to say it nicely. He is frugal. Frugal. I mean, to the point of being cheap. Um, it's kind of funny, some of the things that he talks about. But he is obsessed with living well below his means and remaining debt-free. Now, that's, that's good for you. Uh, how many of you have the Uversion app on your mobile device? Okay? That's free. Craig has taken his, uh, taken his approach to money, and it, it's kind of gone church-wide. And so they give stuff away. And one of the things that they've given away is version, something that I use every single day of my life. And some of you, I know you do too, because I see your little notifications popping up on there. I'm like, yes, read that Bible. But version's free. Why, why could they do that? Because this church isn't in debt. Because they can afford to give stuff away. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But he confesses that his motivation for, for the way that he lives and being debt-free and being obsessed about it, he said it comes from the flip side of the debt coin. The flip side of the debt coin. So what does the debt coin look like? Well, on one side of the debt coin are people that spend more than they can afford because they want to feel in control of their lives. Now, y'all don't freak out. We're going to get into some scripture in just a minute. But that's one side of the debt, the debt coin, people that, that spend more than they can afford because they want control. But then there's the flip side of the debt coin, and, and that's where Craig Rochelle identifies himself, where people spend as little as possible because they want to feel in control of their lives. It's the same coin. It's the same motivation. It's the same desire for control. Just it comes with different struggles and different pitfalls. Either side of the coin, whichever side you're on, the problem is a focus on ourselves and we miss out on the blessing of giving what we have to others. Money troubles are a destructive distraction. Proverbs 21 and 20. We're going to go to the King James on this one. It says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Listen to what it says in the Living Bible. It says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise, not the rich. Watch this, the wise, not the rich. The wise have more than enough in their house. According to this verse, the foolish ones are the ones who live paycheck to paycheck because every time he gets more, he uses it all up. Are y'all like me with this one? And, and do you ever look at a Bible verse and think, okay, what does it not say? I think, it's, I think that's really interesting and kind of weird with this one, like what the Bible doesn't say here. Because it doesn't say that you have to be wealthy in order to have more than enough. It doesn't say that you have to be a two-income family to have more than enough. It doesn't say that you and your wife both have to earn six figures annually to have more than enough. What it says is you have to be wise. Not rich, not wealthy, not loaded. Wise. There's a wise way to manage the money that God entrusts to us, and there's a foolish way to mismanage 
what God entrusts to us. So what I wanted to do was to read this excerpt to you uh, from, from Craig's book, uh, but it, it's, it's long. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to summarize it for you. He talks about the difference in visiting two families. And I think some of you guys in here will identify with this. Uh, there's one house that he goes to visit, and um, it's, the, it's just the best of everything. It's a 4,000-square-foot home, granite countertops, tile and rich hardwood floors. Uh, everything is immaculate. It looks like it's been set up by Martha Stewart. Um, you know, they're, they're, however it is, they come in and do the, the sets for the house on, uh, what, what's the name of that show with uh, Chip and, and, and Joanna? Okay, you know how they set up that home and make it look so beautiful? It looks like something looks like something from that, and, and everything is just so immaculately done. Everything is so stylish. Four-car garage. Uh, he's got his vehicle that he drives every day, and she's got her import SUV, and then there's another one, uh, another bay in the garage for their convertible that's just for fun, and then in the last bay is where their ski boat and the two kids' ski-doos are, um, and, and the whole house, just it just speaks of taste, and class, and you know just by the richness of everything that's there and how it's set up, how well off these people are. And then he talks about the other home that he goes to, and and I remember their names. He talks about Eric and Laura. He said, you bang on the rattling screen, screen door to get in, and somebody just yells at you and says, come on in. And whenever he gets there, Laura's over the stove, and the first thing she does is shove a spoon in your mouth. Here, taste this. You're going to love it. And there's dog hair on the couch. And there's kids' toys everywhere. And he says, one of the first tendency I have whenever I sit down with a sandwich is to fall asleep because I feel just so at home and so comfortable. And he, and he drives a, an old car that's rattling and falls apart. And she drives an old car that's rattling and falls apart. But the whole house, you don't get a sense of style. You don't get a sense of taste. You don't get a sense of, wow, these people are loaded. What you get is a sense of these people are happy and enjoy each other. And he says it's so easy to fall asleep on that couch watching a football game with a sandwich on his plate because everything is just so comfortable. He said, what you don't know about the first couple is they told me, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it with everything that they have. They don't even like each other, and they're living in this beautiful, immaculate house. So is that to say that people that are rich and have a lot and are so, you know, that, that they don't have as good a life? No, that's not what he's saying. The point is, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. He said, the problem is that we've been defining better Watch me. We've been defining better, rich, successful, cool, acceptable the wrong way. One works hard to prop up an illusion of life that sucks the life out of them. The other works hard to make their home a place that restores them, nurtures them, and gives life to others. Let's talk about contentment for dummies. Y'all remember those books that came out? Windows for dummies and... Let's talk about contentment for dummies, and this doesn't apply to anybody else in here but me, the dummy part. Paul the Apostle had a way of making things so obvious. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and, and we'll read verses 6 through 10, he said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
He goes on to say in verses 9 through 10, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen to how bad that sounds, guys. Listen to the language there. Trap. Foolish. Harmful, ruin, destruction, evil, pierced, griefs, not good. Over what? Over money? And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? How many, how many of you? Come on, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie wants to sell his golden ticket. Because their family really needs the money. And you can honestly say, Charlie's family, they needed some money. But Charlie's grandfather tells him, he says, there's plenty of money out there. They print more of it every day. But this ticket, there's only five of them in the whole world, and that's all there's ever going to be. Only a dummy would give this up for something as common as money. Are you a dummy? Godliness with contentment is rare. It's, it's weird. All of us know people, and you can, you can probably think of more than one, all of us know people who can't enjoy the blessings of God because of their worry over money. And that's common. And it's normal. Why are they so worried? And why are they so stressed? It's because they are desperate to keep it all. That's, that's fear, isn't it? That you'll have to give something up or have to lose some of that great stuff that goes along with it. Here, here's an idea. Maybe the reason that clinging to it all seems so stressful is because we're not supposed to. There's plenty of money. If we want to be different and if we want to be better than normal, then we have to live differently and we're going to have to live weird and our focus is going to have to be different. Look, this is the one life that God gave you. You don't get another one. This is, this is the one life he gave you. And according to the gospel of Charlie's grandfather, chapter 4, verse 3, only a dummy would give this up for something as common as money. Are you a dummy? Let's talk about the secret. Man, I'm doing so good. Let's talk about the secret to debt. I meant time-wise. The secret to debt-free living. The secret to debt-free living. So this, this is what I told you I was going to give you. Now, look, I hate to point out the obvious here. But none of us got into our debt pit overnight. <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. You didn't go to bed with extra and then wake up the next morning and be like, oh, God. That's not what happened. It, it's the one thing that leads to another trap. You know, enough is never enough. And most of us, and there's some of you in here that you're, you're killing it. You're, you're following your Dave Ramsey plan. You're... 
you've got your baby steps down, you've got your six months in the bank. I mean, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. There's a few really weird people in here that do, and, and, and this doesn't really apply to you, but for some of us, this, this is hitting really close to home. Most of us have lifestyled our way into the black pit of normal whenever it comes to money. It feels like, speaking from experience here, it feels like there's an income problem. Because people think, if only I just, I just made a little more money. It, it wouldn't take much, but if, if I could just make a little more money, then I could fix all of the money mess that's going on in my life right now. But guys, it's not an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. And at its root, it's actually, oh, it's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Matthew 6 and 19. Now, this is Jesus talking. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But most people's lifetime ambition is the exact opposite of what Jesus said. Their lifetime ambition is to store and get more and more and more and more. Jesus continues in verses 20 through 21. He says, instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and seal. I love how deliberate Jesus is with this because it's a direct parallel of the previous verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your money goes, your heart follows. Ugh. The average Christian in the U.S. gives about 2%, 2% of his or her income toward helping people and advancing God's kingdom on the earth. I'm not talking about all you rock star tithe payers in here. I'm talking about the average Christian in America gives 2%. That means the remaining 98% of their income goes to the world. Which means, using these scriptures right here, that 98% of their heart goes to the world. If you ever catch yourself wondering why you seem to want more of the world and you're not satisfied with the things of God, it's because you have a spiritual problem and we think that more is going to make us happy. But Jesus in 1 John chapter 2 gives us a really fair warning. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings, of sinful man, the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So, here's the secret. Here's the secret to getting out of debt and staying out of debt. Got your pens ready? Y'all going to love this. The secret is, there's no secret. You already know how to get out of debt and stay out of debt. 
kind of like how you already know how to lose weight and keep it off. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not a secret. Now, we look for pills, and we look for diets, and we look for programs, but we know. We know. There's no quick fix to losing weight. You got to make better choices about what you eat and how you exercise. Well, guess what? Debt is the same way. You got two options. Earn more, spend less. And if you can combine the two, you can get out of debt and stay out of debt. That's it. That's the secret. And most of us already know that. So if we know the solution, then what is it that keeps us from implementing it? Because if I already know how to lose weight, why am I still trying to lose the same 20 pounds I've been trying to lose for the past 15 years? It's because I go to Rex and Heather's and she makes really good dessert and sends them home with me. It's all Heather's fault. It's not mine. She's not here so I can talk about her. So, no, if we know the solution, seriously, if we know the solution, what is it that keeps us from implementing it? It's a, it's a deeper issue than knowledge. We can't say, oh, well, I just, I don't know how. It's a root problem that goes beyond not knowing what to do. It's a spiritual problem. And listen to this. The Bible shows us that a spiritual problem has to be pulled up by its spiritual root. And to pull up roots... We're going to have to be willing to get our hands dirty and to make some sacrifices that provide long-term benefits instead of short-term refinanced gains. Proverbs 15 and 16 says this. Mm -hmm. It's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. It's better to have a little with God than to have a whole lot without him. It's better to have fewer houses, fewer cars, fewer appliances, fewer clothes, fewer shoes. That one hurt me to say. Fewer toys, fewer bills than to have the whole world and lose your soul in the process. I'm talking about being focused in the holiday time. Not just focused with our time, but focused about our money, too. Better to have something that's paid for and used and enjoyed and shared and maybe even a little worn out than something that's nice and shiny and brand new and won't be paid for until 2025 that you're still stressed over that you can't enjoy it. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not really. It's better to have a little, because I'm talking to me, it's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord, watch this, than the more of what everyone else has than being normal. Guys, this world will tell you over and over and over again that more is going to make you happy. But it's, it's, a, it's a mirage in the desert of 21st century life It's not true. It's a lie. You can never get there. I don't spend a lot of time in the desert, but I have been driving down a blacktop asphalt road in Louisiana in the middle of August. And you can see the little across the road, and you're like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to drive. And mm -mm, you never get there. 
And then a little bit farther on, you see it, boo boo, there it is. Mm -mm, not going to get there either. God says that happiness is contentment with what you already have, with what He has provided you. Happiness is with what you can share. Happiness is with being weird, not normal. And it means you live to give, not live to gain. Jesus asked, uh, he asked the layman. This is such a, such a rhetorical question, I always thought. Jesus comes up to a layman. And he says, uh, hey, you want to be well? Duh! I can't walk. Yeah, I, I want to. Why would Jesus ask? Sorry, Jesus. What seems to me to be like a really stupid question. OK, but then what comes next? Because you've lived your whole life as a lame man. You haven't had to work. You haven't had to provide. People have come along and dropped it on you. But if I heal you, it's going to change your life. Your expectations are going to change. Your responsibilities are going to change. Everything about your life is going to change if I heal you. So let me ask you one more time. You want to get well? Because you're going to be uncomfortable if I do. Yeah, you're going to be able to walk. But there's going to be this whole world of other things that's going to open up to you if I heal you. You, you sure about this? You sure you want me to, to heal you? Because being well means changing in how you've operated over your entire life. So, let me ask you. Whenever it comes to your personal debt do you want to get well because here's what that means if you want to escape from money worries and escape normal if you want to get away from being normal and, and sick over money it means you're going to be changed there's going to be some things that shift in your priorities and your perspectives. I would rather live weird and healthy. I would rather live weird and healthy than live normal and stressed out over money. How about you? Amen. Me too. So next week, since we've had so much fun here today, Next week, y'all come back, and, and just in time for Christmas, I want to talk about living with a generous eye. Living, living with a generous eye. Let's, let's pray, and we'll go. Jesus, um, you're God, I'm not. And you said more in your word about money than you said about hell. So that means that I need to pay attention whenever you start talking about money. And uh, there's probably some folks in here today that are in the same boat. They, they need to pay more attention to what you say about money. So what I'm going to ask you, Lord, is that you help us over the coming weeks to really focus about what our attitudes and perspectives have been 
and in the places where we need healing about money and the idea that there's more that is going to satisfy us, change that. Change that in our hearts because it's a spiritual problem and it's a heart problem and you're the only one who can do that stuff. So change our perspectives and help us to see the way you see it. uh, Bless our efforts to be better at how we use and choose to spend the resources.